guys, if you have your Bibles tonight, guess where we're at? Romans. Oh, man, that's you can't get nothing by you. Romans chapter number 13. Romans chapter number 13. Hey, do you want to thank many of you that prayed for Hayden? Uh, last year, last week he had a, a very, very bad high ankle sprain, which for those of you that have played sports, that is a very painful injury and something that can just hang out with you for a long, long time. And uh, you guys prayed for him all last week, and he is in his very final high school football game. I think he had 15 or 16 tackles. So that's pretty good for, for being on one leg. Amen? Certainly pray for it. Make sure, make sure I get a chance to pray with her before she leaves here, okay? How's um, how's the hubby? Blood pressure's doing better? Good. Gotcha. 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 Well, thank you so much, guys, for praying for Hayden. He had a wonderful, uh, wonderful week, and, uh, and he's, uh, like, landing off to the next sport, you know? And uh, what, what, what are we going to do when they're done with sports, Blitz? What, what, what are we going to do? Pastor Randy, what? We'll figure something out, you know? We'll figure something out. So, hey, guys, if you have your Bibles tonight, turn to Romans chapter number 13. Romans chapter number 13. Um, last week, or last week, we were talking about some uh, some different areas that, that you and I need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts about, just certain areas of, of how we should treat others. And, uh, again, it sounded a whole lot like the core value of loving God and loving people. And this week, we're going to continue in kind of that vein. And we're going to talk about how you and I as believers should be acting in light of the times in which we live, okay? Now, this was written a long, long time ago, but uh, it, it was true then, and it's even more true today, okay? And I think sometimes we forget um, we forget the times in which we live. You know, I was, I was joking with Brother Witt, um, or Brother Donald, I don't remember, I joked with both of them. I, I'm walking, uh, walking across the parking lot, and, and of course we have the heaters on, thank, thank goodness for heaters. And um, uh, I saw some smoke kind of coming up. The, now, smoke gets my attention because I'm a firefighter. Okay, I'm a fireman. I see, ooh, smoke. Okay, I was like, oh, heaters, okay? And it was white smoke. And, and, and you know, like some of you in here, I grew, you, you may have grew up Catholic. I grew up Catholic. And, and, and how many know that when they choose a pope, there's different color smoke that comes out? Like, like white smoke means they got a new pope. And, and I'm like, ooh, whip, we got a new pope. Okay, and it was a joke, of course, okay? You know, no offense to watching on Facebook. But don't take yourself so seriously. But, uh, you know, I was like, hey, new Pope. And, and, he, and Brother Witt was telling me, yeah, this is, uh, this, this is possibly the last Pope. I was like, I didn't know that. You know, and he goes, well, it's kind of the end times. And I was like, well, I agree with that. You know, I mean, I don't know if it's the last Pope or not. But I do know it's the end times. And, you know, one of the things I love about football is that there's a clock. There's never any doubt what the score is. In fact, there's some great spiritual analogies to this. You always know if you're ahead or behind. You know who's got the ball. You know you, you can find out anything you want to know about a sporting event by looking at the scoreboard, okay? Looking at the clock, it tells you how much time is left. And, and if a team's trying to make a comeback, as the time is dwindling down, there's more urgency, right? Well, guess what, guys? We don't see the clock, but there's a clock, <laughs> okay? And there should be a sense of urgency for you and I as believers in these last days. Urgency to pray, 
urgency to witness, urgency to, to be everything that God wants us to be. So uh, so let's just look at what Paul had to say in Romans chapter number 13, and, and let's just kind of keep in mind that, that, that time is running out. We've got to do uh, some things for the Lord, okay? So let's read it. Romans chapter number 13, verses 11 through 14. The Bible says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of the sleep, For now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh, but fulfill the lusts thereof. You know what, guys? Um, not very many verses here, but there's a lot of meat. Where Paul is telling us how we should live in light of the times in which we live. So let's just pray today and give the Holy Spirit permission to search our hearts. And, and if there's anything that, that, that he would convict you of today, um, act upon it. You know, so many times we, um, we, we, we mix up, the, we don't know the difference, rather, between conviction and condemnation. The Bible tells us in Romans 8 and 1, there's what? Therefore, now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Now, sometimes they feel the same. Condemnation, conviction sometimes feel the same, but they have two very different ways to respond. Condemnation makes you want to quit. Makes you want to throw in the towel. I can't do this, you know, and those are lies from the enemy. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit, and he wants you to change. Amen? The Bible tells us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So today, let's just allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and bring conviction if necessary, and then allow him to to, to cleanse our unrighteousness with the righteousness that is found in Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you right now for your presence. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that... uh, that as I'm teaching the Word today, God, you're going to speak to our hearts, and you're going to show us exactly what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And I just ask right now, Lord God, would we realize, Lord, um, everything that, that, that has needed to be done for us to be righteous has already been done at Calvary. And Lord, it's not about self-righteousness today. It's about putting on the righteousness of Christ Jesus. I pray today, Lord God, that you would help us to do that very thing. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and everybody would say, Amen. Amen. You know what? There's kind of four pictures that we're going to look at today, and these four pictures are kind of given in this passage. And there's a, a picture number one, the difference between sleeping and awaking. Okay? There's a difference also between darkness and light, the difference between waking, walking straight and walking crooked. And then, of course, clothing, putting on Christ as opposed to putting on the flesh. So that's kind of a, the, uh, the breakdown for our study today. So let's get started in verse number 11. The first thing that Paul says is you and I as believers need to know what time it is. You know what time it is. You know, just a couple weeks ago we had a time change again, and I hate those times. I really do. Now, this is the one I prefer over the other one. Why? Because I got an extra hour of sleep, okay? The one that happens in the spring, I don't know who came up with that idea, okay? But here's the problem when the time changes. These little smartphones, they change on their own. But how many have other clocks in your house, okay? The, the one on your oven, you got to go find the manual to figure it out, okay? Do you, do you remember back in the days of VCRs? How did you change that thing? I don't know. It just blinked 12 all the time, didn't it? Okay, I mean, some of those times it's kind of hard to figure out your clock, okay? And, and if you got a wristwatch, you know, anybody still got one of them old things? How do you figure that out, okay? Once I get it figured out, then I, I get the wrong button, Greg, or it... 
know, you got like three seconds to make a decision, okay? And then it goes back. I hate having to change times and, and you know, so we understand that. But, but you know what, guys? We and I, you and I as believers need to recognize the season that we're in, the times that we're in. The word that, that Paul uses here is knowing, which means to make sure that you know. Do not dare miss knowing. The word time means the critical period, the strategic or special period of time. We are in a very strategic time in, 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 in the world's history. These are the days of grace. These are the days of grace. These are the days when we're seeing God's grace move in some amazing ways. We're, we're still looking to see some great end-time revival. But we're toward the end of the days of grace. Amen? We're kind of coming toward the end. Again, if this was a ball game, we'd have a scoreboard. We'd see what the score is, and, and we'd see the clock dwindling down. And there needs to be some urgency about what we're doing. What strategic or critical period of time is meant? What is the period of human history that we must not overlook? Paul says it's the day of our salvation. The day which is nearer than when we first believed. The day which is at hand. The day when we shall meet the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. Now, how how will we as Christians meet him? Okay? We're hoping to meet him in the air. The, the, the next thing that's on the chronological timetable for this world, according to the Bible, is the rapture of the church. What is that? That is the great catching away of you and I as believers. That's, that's what our faith is. Our faith is in this book, according to Thessalonians chapter number 4, that will be taken away, okay? And we'll be with the Lord. Some of us, some of us that, that have died in the faith, or our friends or loved ones that have died in the faith, they'll be taken up first, then you and I will be taken away. Now, what's going to happen on this earth after the, the real believers are taken out the way? Thank you, Brother Randy. <laughs> Ooh, it, it ain't no place to be. I remember I've done some prison ministry, and, and at the, our state penitentiary in Angola, they have some they have some very entertaining shirts, okay? And, and one of them said, Angola, ain't no place to be. And there's a lot of truth to that, okay? First of all, it's in the middle of nowhere, okay? It's at 20 miles at the end of a one-way road. I mean, literally, if you've ever been there, it's like in a little crook of the Mississippi River, way out there in the middle of nowhere. There's no easy way to get there. It ain't no place you want to be, okay? Well, guess what, guys? Once the rapture happens, this world ain't no place you want to be, okay? Because it's going to be such a difficult, difficult time. But you and I as true believers don't need to worry about that, okay? But here's what we need to recognize. We need to recognize that we are drawing toward the end of time. Verses 11 and 12, in light of that time, how should we be acting? See, number one, it, it is time for us to waken out of sleep. Too many believers are slumbering and paying no attention to what is going on in the world. Too many are not watching. Too many are not observing the signs of the times. Too many are complacent and slothful, lazily passing through life with little commitment to serving the Lord. Too few are meeting the needs of those that are suffering and loving God and loving others. It is time to waken out of the sleep, time to wake up, to be aroused and stirred. It is time to get up and to move and to act. Faith must move us to action, or is it really faith? We must act upon what we believe. If we truly believe that these are the last days, we need to pray like never before. We need to reach out to those that we love like never before. We need to be salt and light. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for the church to wake up. 
There's so many churches that are sound asleep. It's time for us to wake up. The exhortation by Paul is very, very strong. And there are two reasons for, for his forcefulness. Number one, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Pastor Randy, you've been preaching this glorious gospel for some time now. You've been telling, telling us all that Jesus is coming soon. Guess what? You're more right today than you've ever been before. Guys, if it was urgent 20 years ago, how much more urgent should it be today? Amen? Jesus is coming soon. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The word salvation is being used in the future sense, referring, referring to the glorious day when we shall be fully saved. It is the day when our salvation will be consummated. We will be delivered from this present evil world and perfected forever to live in the presence of Almighty God. The point is dramatic. The day is nearer than when we first believed, awakened out of our sleep. Amen? Look at the world situation. Look at yourself. Look at life and all its uncertainties. Look at the signs of the times. The day of salvation, the day of our redemption is nearer than when we first believed. Jesus taught this in Luke chapter number 21, verse number 28. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up. Lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Now, if he said, when these things began, what things was he talking about? Let's look at it together. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew or Luke chapter number 21. Luke chapter number 21, I'm going to look at verses 7 through 27. And this is what precedes verse number 28. Now, 28 says, Jesus said, when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. So what was Jesus talking about? Let's read it. Luke chapter number 21, verse number 7. The disciples, they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? What sign will there be when these things come to pass? They were asking about end-time events. They were asking, Jesus, tell us what it's going to be like in the last days. Here's what Jesus said. He said, Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go you not therewith after them. But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, and the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs there shall be from heaven. As we've seen all of that. We've seen all of that. We're seeing all of that. Just put on the evening news. Verse 12, but before all these things, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and unto prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for thy name's sake. Look, guys, just because there's not a lot of persecution here in the U.S., there's tremendous persecution against the church around the world. You know, just because things are okay for us here in the United States, guys, <laughs> there are places that it is illegal to be a believer we have missionaries today in such sensitive countries that I cannot say that. I cannot say where they're at. I cannot say who they are. It would put their lives in danger. Guys, this is persecution. This is what Jesus foretold. And by the way, it's, it's, it's going to happen here too. You know, we'd like to say, oh, we're going to be okay. We're ultimately going to be okay because, yes, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and we're going we're gonna to leave on the rapture, but, but it's going to get tough here, guys. It's going to get tougher to serve the Lord. Amen? Verse 13. 
and it shall turn to, to you for a testimony. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts, not to, to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay or resist. And you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends, and some of you they cause to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not a hair of your head perish. In your patience possess you your souls. Look, guys, it's going to get tough, but God always takes care of his people. Okay? God will take care of you. God is going to take care of his people. He's going to honor faith. He always has. He always will. Verse 20. Again, we're talking about the end times. We're talking about what we're going through today. And when he... And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judah flee to the mountains. Let them which are in the midst of it depart. Let not them that are in the countries enter thereunto. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things may be written, may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days, where there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive, captive unto all nations. Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. There shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves rolling, men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the, on the earth, for the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And then these things begin to come to pass. Then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. Guys, look, we are in the last days. There is nothing left to be fulfilled but for the rapture. There's nothing left. There's nothing left. Now, we don't know the, we don't know the date, okay? It's foolish. In fact, it's non-scriptural to set that date. We just don't know but we know the times. We know what's supposed to be going on. See, look, guys, you woke up this morning, you're like, ooh, I know the season this winter. It's cold. Where's my big coat? Okay? I read something on Facebook today that we Cajuns don't have big coats. We're just wearing our best hoodie and hoping for the best. Okay? That's kind of what I'm doing. Okay? All I got is big hunting clothes. Okay? And I don't want to walk around looking like that. Okay? But if it gets much colder than this, I will. I don't care. But guess what, guys? You woke up this morning, you said, winter is here. I recognize the season. Let's recognize the season spiritually. Let's recognize that these are the last days, and let's live properly. So how should we how should we live? We'll get to that in just a second. We need to recognize that judgment is, is, is at hand. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. What day? The day when we shall meet God face to face, either through death or through the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the rapture. Time is fleeting, passing ever so rapidly. So prepare. Now, Mark chapter 13, verses 34 to 37 say this. For the Son of Man is, a man is like a man taking a far journey who left his house, gave authority to his servants and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you not know when the master of the house cometh, at evening or midnight, or when the crock crows, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch, watch. First Thessalonians 5 and 6, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Hmm. Let's be sober. Guys, let's recognize the season that we're in. 
Amen? And then how should we live? Verse number 12 through 14 begins to tell us. Let's read it real quick. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. See, guys, it's time for us to cast off the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light. What are the works of darkness, you may ask? These are the works which men do under cover of darkness and want to keep secret. There are sins which men want to keep secret, which they know are not acceptable, which men would, would know would cause hurt. People are ashamed of, and they know they would do great damage, and sadly, that occurs in the church every day. Look, guys, I, 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 I'm not going to get into a laundry list of that, but look, if there's, if, there's any un, if there's any unconfessed, any hidden sin in your life, deal with it. Look, God is gracious. He will deal with that with you if you'll confess it, if you'll give it to Him. Deal with him. Deal with it. John chapter number 3, verses 19 and through 20, Jesus said, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Look, guys, the closer you get to Jesus, the more light there is, the more light to illuminate any dark area, any shadowy area in your life. The closer you get to Jesus, the more righteous you become. The more you recognize how much you need His grace and His mercy. Ephesians chapter number 5, verses 11 and 12. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. You know, um, yesterday we uh, were talking at, at our men at outposts and and, and the speaker was just a, a former pastor, retired as a military colonel. Uh, he was also a chaplain, just had some amazing stories. And, and he said, sadly, sadly, God's got some nasty children. <laughs> he said, there's some, folk, there's some humbug that happens in churches. And he was talking about forgiveness. And, and you know what's ironic, Pastor Randy? I didn't really struggle much with forgiveness before I came to Christ. But once I got in church, I kind of just assumed everybody would just be Christ-like. Yeah, that lasted for about two days, okay? I'll never forget. I got saved on a Sunday, and the church had a men's volleyball game on Thursday, okay? And Chantel said, that'd be a good thing for you to go to, okay? Because she'd never been to one. So I go there, and again, I'm a college football player. I'm a little bit competitive, okay? Y'all still know me as a little bit competitive. Well, imagine... 26 years ago, I was a lot bit competitive, okay? And I got there, and 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 and, and uh, there was some griping, there was some complaining, and I'm not even gonna tell you who the worst was, brother Moore. <clears throat> okay, I love you, Pastor, and he he would admit it now. He's like, man, I, I was so ashamed of what. And I came home and said, you wouldn't believe the way the preacher was acting. And 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 all of a sudden, I realized that that. Man, I gotta make a choice. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna hang on to that nonsense, or I'm gonna let it go. It was just a stupid volleyball game, so I let it go. But guess what, guys? I've seen folks in church get their feelings hurt over a lot less than that. Are there any people leave the church because we don't tell them hello? People leave church because we forget their name. Heck, I forget my own name. I call Hunter Hayden and Hayden Hunter. Okay, you think if I can't get their names right, what, what chance do I have of getting yours right? Look, guys, we got to walk in forgiveness. Look, getting hurt is, is, is not optional, but taking offense is a choice. Everybody's going to get hurt in church. You're going to get hurt in life. You're going to get hurt at work. Look, you get hurt at work, but you still go back the next day, don't you? 
you're a big boy, you put your big pants on, but sometimes at church we get our feelings hurt, and then we stop coming. Who we hurt? Who we hurt? I was talking to somebody yesterday about forgiveness. And he said, man, I've forgiven this one person, but this other person, I ain't forgiven them yet. I said, how's that working for you? Well, not too good. <laughs> I said, do you think it's bothering them, them any? No, but it sure is bothering me. I said, yeah, that's how, that's how unforgiveness works. You know what? Unforgiveness and bitterness is like drinking poison, thinking, waiting on the other guy to die. You're just killing yourself. Killing yourself. Remember a humorous story one time? There was this old boy that would always point somebody in the finger. He'd poke in their chest. Man, I, I wouldn't like that, okay? Well, uh, one of the guys showed one of his buddies. He, he, he put a bomb on the chest. He said, next time he pokes me in the chest, he, gonna, he got it coming. Really? Really? What sense does that make? Okay? Does that make any sense whatsoever? Hanging on to unforgiveness and bitterness is doing the exact same thing. Guys, it's killing you. Stop it. By the way, that ain't in my notes. I just threw it in for somebody. Okay? By the way, here's the thing. Forgiveness is two parts. Number one, a decision. And number two, a process. It starts with a decision. Then you have to work through the process. Okay? So that'll help you. Those are some of the... You know why I use that? Because that's so often a secret sin that we all hang on to. And we think it's okay. We think it's okay because the way you were treated. Hey, look, guys. Consider the way Jesus was treated. And what did he say from the cross? Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Hurt people, hurt people, guys. Let's take some 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 uh, some advice from the Lord. All right, continuing. So we're gonna we're gonna put off darkness. We're gonna cast off those those secret sins. And what are we gonna do? We're gonna put on the armor of light. The armor of light differs entirely from the clothing of darkness. The picture is that of clothing oneself. The believer is to strip off whatever dark sins and works he's wrapped around himself, to cast them away. Once he's cleansed himself or stripped himself, he's supposed to put on what? The armor of light. It is the armor of righteousness, according to 2 Corinthians 6 and 7. The Bible says, but in all things, approving ourselves as ministers of God by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, and it's also the armor of God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to, uh, to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6, we talk about the armor of God, and it's something that you need to put on. You need to put that on every day. This morning, you wouldn't have thought of walking out the house without some kind of coat on, right? Well, guess what, guys? As believers, you shouldn't think of walking outside the house without putting on the armor of God. You know, you ought to not try going to work tomorrow without putting on the armor of God. You ought to not try going to the dollar store tomorrow without putting on the armor of God. Let's see what the Bible says about that in Ephesians chapter number 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Look, guys, the devil is serious about stealing, killing, and destroying. You've got to put on the full armor. I preached an illustrated sermon one time of this message, and I, I was using my fire equipment, okay? As a fireman, we, we have some protective, uh, it's called PPE, personal protective equipment, okay? And you've got to put all that on, and you've got to put it on properly. You've got to put it all on, okay? And, 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 and just like I would not think about going into a fire without my, my hood or without my breathing apparatus or without my gloves, I would hurt myself. We cannot think about walking a victorious spiritual life without putting on our whole armor as well. 
So the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Look, guys, sometimes we think our problem is our boss. No, it's the spirit behind our boss. Sometimes we think it's our sister who's given us fits. No, it's that spirit that is, is operating in her life. Because that's how the enemy works. Verse 13. Wherefore, take unto the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day which we are in, and having done all, to stand. Therefore, Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I know every woman loves good shoes, okay? No outfit is complete without a good pair of shoes, right, ladies? Well, guess what? Your spiritual warfare is not complete without good pair of shoes, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Guys, your faith is so important. The shield of faith. Wherewith, look, look, this is what your faith is used for. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. How does that work itself out? When the enemy tells you a lie, and that's all he can tell you, because he's the father of lies, there's no truth in him. How do, you, how do you know something's a lie when you know the truth? Parents, you ever had your kid tell you a lie? Okay. Alicia, Sebastian told you a lie already? Okay. He, he does it in such a cute little way that it's almost believable, but it's like, come on, dude, I really know what happened. Okay? How do you know when it's a lie? Because you know what the truth is, right? That's how your faith is. That's how you know when the enemy's lying to you, because you know what the truth is. You know who you are. You know whose you are. Guys, if you don't know the word, you are, you are a sitting duck. You are a sitting duck. The Bible says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you are able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching there unto all pers- perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. See, Paul recognized the, the times in that he lived. He recognized that his time was short. We need to recognize that our time is short as well. Amen? And so that's what we should do. We should uh, deal with any darkness that's in our life, deal with any sin, and put on the full armor of God. Verse 13 begins to tell us some areas that we need to work on. Because, guys, it's time for us to walk straight. It's time for us to walk straight. The word honestly means proper, honorable, decent, noble. Believers are to walk in honesty before God. He is to live a life of honesty, decently decency and nobility. He is to live a life of honor and honesty before God. We are to walk in the day, not hiding, not trying to hide anything. Scripture gives us six things in particular which the believers are to cast off and turn away from forever. Number one, rioting. This means reveling, carousing, partying, uh, debauchery, unrestrained revelry, indulgence. The Bible tells us in Galatians 5, 19 and 21, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, all such. Of the which I tell you as I've told you in times past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Look, guys, I, I, I mentioned it on Sunday mornings. If you're in the club on Saturday nights, you're not going to feel comfortable in church on Sunday morning, okay? Now, now look, if you were in the club on Sunday night, I want you in church on Sunday morning, but sooner or later, something's going to have to give, okay? Sooner or later, something, you have to realize that that old life ain't, ain't working for you. Kind of like I told my friend who was struggling with unforgiveness. I said, how's that working for you? Okay? Guys, we gotta we got to make sure that we live a different life. We as believers are to live a different life. My wife is saying I'm her favorite preacher. Oh, cool. Number two, drunkenness. Bible tells us to, to take intoxicating drink or drinks or drugs to affect the senses and faculties is wrong. To become intoxicated for the purpose of lust or pleasure. To seek or to be tipsy or intoxicated. To seek to loosen more restraint for the sake of bodily pleasure. That is something you need to walk away from. Personally, I believe in total abstinence. Because, look, before I came to faith, I partook in that area way too much. And I was less than my best self when I'd have a few drinks, okay? So I want nothing to do with that nonsense, okay? There's debates right there of, 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 of Christians. Some, some say it's okay. Some say it's not okay. Look, guys, I, I'm not going to get into that. But, but how do you become drunk? You start with one, okay? And my problem is I didn't know when to stop. So guess what? For 23 years, 24 years now, I have not drank alcohol. And I don't plan on changing that. Why? Because that's just a personal stand. And it also lines up with the Word. The Bible tells us in Luke 21 and 34, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, the cares of this life, so that day come upon you unawares. 1 Corinthians 6, 10 through 11. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. Look, guys, there's nothing in that old life that I miss. There's really nothing. For the last 25 years, I've been living my best life, and so have you. Don't believe the enemy's lies when he says, boy, you're missing out. You're like the children of Israel. They wanted to go back to Egypt. You know what? It only took a few days to get them out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. Look, guys, as we draw closer to God, we need to realize that old life was just foolishness. We want nothing to do with that. He continues to tell us some things that we should avoid. Chambering. What does that mean? It's talking about sexual immorality, adultery, fornication. We talked. We talked about that uh, last week. We need to flee those things. Number four, wantonness. Again, sensuality, running wild, debauchery, homosexuality. All those things are wrong. It, it, it is excess lust, unbridled lust that consumes one's thoughts and behavior. Look, guys, your thoughts, your thoughts are so vitally important. That's why the Bible tells us to take every thought captive. Because every action starts with a thought. Every action, both good and bad. Okay? When we have a missionary comes and, and, and I say, we're going to receive an offering for a missionary. You have a thought. Hey, I'm going to give him that offering. Now, that's a good thought. That's one you should act upon. Okay? But guess what? There's times in our in our week we have bad thoughts. Like, well, I'm going to call that person give them a piece of my mind. Okay, don't do that. Don't do that. Because, look, you make that phone call, you're going to have to make another phone call. Okay? Because you're going to have to apologize. Because that ain't the way you should do things. Okay? Look, guys, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to be our God. Amen? And we shouldn't act like that. Now, look, most church people are pretty good at the first four. Okay? But I think that's why... 
God included the last two just to make sure we don't get too pious about everything, okay? Because the next thing he talks about is strife. Strife. Strife is contention, quarreling, arguing. It is, it is the craving deep within a person that wants recognition, honor, and position. It says, look at me. It puts others down. It ignores others. It's, it's all about self. The Bible tells us concerning strife, Philippians 2 and 3, let nothing, say nothing, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. 2 Timothy 2 and 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Proverbs 26 and 17, I just read this in my personal devotions, and I got to chuckle at it. It says, he that passeth by meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. What happens when you take a dog by the ears? Try it. Let me t- uh, Tell me how that goes. Okay? I-, I wouldn't do that. Okay? There's certain things you don't do. You don't pull a cat by the tail. Although I've been guilty a few times. Sister Garland's not here, so I don't feel condemned. Okay? I pull a cat by the tail. So I-, I think it's like God gave him a handle. Okay? Come here. Come here, someone. Okay? But you don't grab a dog by his ears. They don't like that. Okay? They don't like that. You grab a dog by his ears, you might just get bit. Look, guys, strife is something that that we don't want nothing to do with. Look what James said. Here's the problem with strife. And look, guys, I've been in church a long time, and I've seen strife shipwreck the plans of God time and time again. Because we forget that, that it's just not strife that we're dealing with. James 3 and 16 says this. 3 and 16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Strife is the open door that the devil walks in through and causes all kind of hell in your life. Guys, we got to deal with strife. we got to deal with problems. we got to deal with contentions. Sometimes the answer, sometimes the answer is pretty easy. Proverbs 22.10 says that when you deal with the contentious person, strife ends. Sometimes you're that contentious person. (laughs) Sometimes others are that contentious person. Deal with strife, because if not, it's going to cost you. And then finally, he talks about envying. Envying means jealousy that begrudges others. It looks upon the position, recognition, and success of others with a jealous eye. The Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians 13 and 4, Charity or love is long-suffering, kind. Charity envieth not doesn't vaunt itself up, is not puffed up. Galatians 5 and 26. Let us not be desirous of the vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. James 3 and 14. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Look, guys, we've got to deal with that. We've got to deal with those things. These are those small things that, that sometimes we just wink at and say it's going to be okay. No, not in light of these last days. It's not going to be okay. And then finally, verse 14, we're almost done. Let me read it to you, verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. It is time for us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. No two points. Number one, we're supposed to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the picture is that of clothing. We are to clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ and His righteousness. We are to be as closely bound to him in his righteousness as we are to our clothes. 
Guys, Jesus becomes our clothing. He becomes our covering. His righteousness covers us. We are wrapped in His loving arms. And because of that, because of that, we don't do things that He wouldn't do. We don't say things that He wouldn't say. We don't, we don't look upon things He wouldn't look at. We don't act like He wouldn't act. We, Guys, when you get close to the Lord Jesus Christ, when you cover yourself with His righteousness, you start becoming righteous. See, look, here's the problem, guys. So many times we think righteousness is about self-righteousness. We think it's about stuff that we do. Righteousness has nothing to do about what you do. It has everything about who you are. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Last night in our men's outpost, the, the, the speaker did a wonderful job of teaching on that. He said it was, a, it was a, a paradigm shift in his thinking when he realized that righteousness wasn't the things I do. It's the faith that I have, the belief that I have that I am clothed, I am put on the righteousness of Christ. Because what is our righteousness done outside of Christ? Isaiah said they're filthy rags. Oily cloths, minstrel cloths, thrown in a corner, worthless, trash, garbage, disgusting. But guys, when we put on the righteousness of Christ, amen? Look, guys, I want to challenge us on the church. Let's not focus on what we have to do. Let's focus on who we are. Let's put on the righteousness of Christ, and all of a sudden, you'll keep the rules. All of a sudden, you'll love him, and you'll keep his commandments. You'll do what he wants you to do. Why? Because you've put on the righteousness of Christ. Ephesians 4 and 24. And that you put on the new man, after uh, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Philippians 2 and 5. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3 and 3, verses 1 through 3. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Jesus taught in Luke 9 and 23, and he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So we're supposed to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, put on his righteousness by faith, and secondly, make no provision for the flesh. The idea is that we do not give in to the flesh and its lust. Don't give in to temptation. Look, guys, temptation is not sin, okay? Jesus was tempted, but the Bible says he was what? Without sin, okay? It's not that first thought that gets you in trouble. It's acting upon that thought. It's entertaining that thought. What are you supposed to do with thoughts that are evil? Rebuke them, taking every thought captive. Say, Lord, renew my mind, cleanse my mind. We're supposed to put on the, the put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. And here's how we do it: Galatians five and sixteen. This I say then: Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Look, guys, the Holy Spirit is called to be our helper. He wants to help you be righteous. He wants you to help you put on the righteousness of Christ. He wants you to help make good decisions. He wants to help you. Um, look, guys, if you just listen to the Holy Spirit, I, I won't have anybody counsel. <laughs> I mean, I, it'll make everybody's life so much easier. 
If you just do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, if you just follow this word, now I do realize I'm preaching a Wednesday night crowd, so you guys kind of get it, okay? But look, if we could just start spreading the word, just listen to the Holy Ghost. Just do what he tells you to do. Go where he tells you to go. Don't go where he don't. Where he doesn't tell you to go. You ever felt the check in your spirit? Obey that. Listen to that. Boy, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have to make any sense. Faith doesn't make any sense. But I, but I walk by faith. Amen? So I just want to challenge you guys. There's some do's and don'ts, and we can get hung up in all the do's and don'ts, but let's not do that. Let's focus on putting on the righteousness of Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us and to help us walk this thing out. Amen? With every head bowed and every eye closed, as I would just want to challenge you, I talked about the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'd just like for us to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to search our hearts. You know what, every now and then, on a regular basis, I'll just start my prayer time saying, Lord, search my heart. Lord, forgive me of anything that I've done, everything, anything that I've failed to do. Lord, forgive me for improper motives. Forgive me for thinking wrong things. Forgive me, Lord, for not dealing with things as quickly as I should. So I'm going to ask you right now for just the next couple moments to just give the Holy Spirit permission to search your heart. Lord, I just ask right now, Lord God, that you would just throw on the floodlights of our heart, of our mind. Lord, thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you've made provision for us, God, to be righteous. And righteous has nothing to do with what we do. Righteous has everything to be with who we know. God, I thank you right now that we know you. We know Jesus, and because of that, we put our faith in him that we are now clothed with the righteousness of Christ. God, we're not trying to be righteous by what we do. We're righteous so we do what we do. And I pray right now, Lord God, that you would touch people's hearts. And Holy Spirit, if there's anything that we need to change right now, we confess it. The Bible tells us, 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us from all unrighteousness. So right now, right where you're at, if there's anything you know that is between you and the Lord, if there's any unconfessed sin in your life, deal with it right now. Just say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for unforgiveness. Forgive me for bitterness. Forgive me for stinking thinking. Forgive me for just having a bad day. Forgive me for, for maybe saying what I shouldn't have said or doing what I shouldn't have done. Lord, I pray right now, Lord God, that your grace and your mercy would just cover all that stuff. And Lord, we would just realize, Lord God, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, let us realize just for a moment who we are. Who we are, Lord. God, we are the righteousness of Christ, uh, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you for faith. Thank you for moving in our lives. Thank you, Lord God, for speaking to us and speaking through us. Thank you, Lord God, for reminding us that these are the last days, that time is very, very short, and we should live lives that bring glory and honor unto you. Lord, touch this congregation. Touch those watching via Facebook. Bless this church and help us to continue to be a blessing in our community. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. And everybody would say, Amen. And amen. Hey, look, guys, I, I realize that was a very abbreviated altar time, prayer time. In your private prayer time, give the Holy Spirit even more permission. Amen? 
You might even want to get a list. I, look, last night at, 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 at Men at the Outpost, sometimes you just may, may, maybe need to create a list for forgiveness. People you need to forgive. Oh, I don't need to forgive nobody. Okay, ask the Holy Spirit that question. Holy Ghost, is there anybody I need to forgive? I would recommend you have a pen and pad available. Okay? <laughs> because all of a sudden you think you're good and the Holy Spirit thinks differently. By the way, he's right, you're wrong. Okay? Write those things and deal with it. Because look, guys, there's nothing like walking in the righteousness of Christ. Let nothing come between that. Amen?